Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and my voice is a little hoarse, so I apologize. This is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm very excited about today's show. Today, I'll be joined by Joel Kamm. He's the author of the book, Twitter Power 2.0, and we're going to explore how to best use Twitter for your business. I'll also share a new discovery. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and share that discovery with you right now. After untangling a school of anacondas, look what Michael Stelzner found. If you've been tracking with me on uh, other social channels, I've recently started messing around with YouTube on my personal uh, profile on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash user slash Michael Stelzner. And um, as I'm beginning to you know, grapple with the unique complexities of YouTube, I'm beginning to discover really interesting things. And one of the things that I happened upon, which you may or may not be familiar with, is something called the YouTube subscribe button. And this is what I want to share with you today. If you have a YouTube channel for your personal brand or for your company, did you know that you can click with the single click of a button, you can subscribe to someone's YouTube channel on any website. Said another way, if you visit a website and you see these one-click buttons to become fans of a Facebook page or to become a follower of a LinkedIn page, then, then you've seen what I'm talking about. But now you have that very same thing for YouTube. So what this means is that with just a little bit of code, you can embed a YouTube follow button directly onto your website. And now with the click of a button, someone can become a subscriber to your YouTube channel without ever going to your YouTube channel. It's called the YouTube subscribe button. And you can find the actual code by going to developers.google.com slash YouTube slash YouTube underscore subscribe underscore button. Now, I know that's a heck of a long URL, so why don't you go the easy route and just Google the words YouTube subscribe button or check it out in the show notes. It's just a little tiny piece of code and it's a little red button and next to the button it shows the number of subscribers just like all the other ones do. So this is obviously something that I think YouTube has done uh, as a natural extension of Google+. So I think it's really cool. Uh, If you want to see what it looks like, we have it on Social Media Examiner, and it's tied to our Social Media Examiner YouTube channel, which we're not actively using right now. But uh, you can see how it works. It's really cool, and I suggest you go ahead and give it a try for your website. By the way, if you have a question that you'd like to submit verbally for consideration in a future episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast, super easy to do. Just visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail. Now with that, I would like to share something else with you right now. Discover how to improve your social media marketing at Social Media Marketing World 2014. Brought to you by Social Media Examiner. You'll rub shoulders with the biggest names and brands in social media. Soak up countless tips and new strategies. And enjoy extensive networking opportunities in San Diego, California. Pick from more than 60 expert-led sessions. Network aboard a naval aircraft carrier. 
Meet industry leaders Chris Brogan, Murray Smith, Jay Bear, and Michael Hyatt. Don't miss the industry's largest conference. Discount tickets are limited. Visit socialmediaworld14.com to secure your ticket today. I just want to share a, a couple of quick factoids about the conference. Um, as I, if you've been mentioning to the podcast, I've been listening to the podcast for a while. You know that this is our mega conference put on by Social Media Examiner. It takes place in San Diego on March 26th, 27th, and 28th. And we have more than 60 sessions in four major tracks, social tactics, strategy, community management, and content management, uh, marketing, I mean. And what's really excited is that people are coming from literally all over the world. As a matter of fact, earlier this year, when we had the conference in 2013, People came from more than 31 countries, and dozens of people came from Australia. Yeah, you Aussies listening, many of you have made it out here. So I know a lot of people listening right now may or may not be in the United States, and I just want to share some of the countries that people are already coming from to Social Media Marketing World 2014. They include Norway, the United Arab Emirates, France, Germany, Australia, Denmark, Spain, Mexico, New Zealand, Ireland, Canada, India, Peru, Panama, Venezuela, Brazil, and the United Kingdom. So as you can see, this is truly a global conference. We're expecting to sell out 2,000 marketers in San Diego doing nothing but living and breathing and having a lot of fun and connecting with fellow social media marketers. So be sure to check it out at socialmediaworld14.com. And I look forward to meeting you there in person. How fun will that be? Okay, let's transition over to today's expert interview with Joel Com. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Joel Com. If you don't know who Joel is, he's the author of numerous books, including Twitter Power 2.0 and So What Do You Do? He's also host of the Joel Com Show, a business podcast. Joel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Michael. How you doing? Doing great. Hey, thanks for joining us today. So today, Joel and I are going to explore Twitter, and we're going to talk about whether or not it makes sense for you to use Twitter. Um, but before yeah, we we're, get... We're going to do it in 140 characters or less. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was a sh- <laughs> nice short answer there. Um, so let's start with this first question, which is less than 140 characters. So, so Joel, what do you do? Oh, that's a great question. I love it. I, uh, Michael, I peel onions. <laughs> really? I love onions. That's, that's, that's great. You don't have to answer in only 140 characters, by the way. Well, you know, here's the thing, and we'll probe deeper on that if you want, and I have a hunch that you do, but I think that there's a, uh, an error in the way people are taught to do their elevator speech. They're taught to, in, a, in one sentence, make sure that the person asking understands clearly exactly what it is they do so that they can determine whether or not they want to continue this conversation. And most of the time when people ask, what do you do? They're really wanting you to answer quickly so that they can tell you what they do, right? And so the real way to answer an elevator speech is with a, uh, an answer that will start the conversation, mm. not end the conversation. So when I say I peel onions, you know, your first thought is, okay, I like onions, or what do you mean? You like to make people cry? And the, so the, the follow-up to that is, 
uh, something that it makes people curious. So I tell them, well, what I actually do is I ask questions and I help people to discover what their core is, what their passion is, and the God-given talents, skills, abilities, and personality they have, which are designed to bring value to the world around them, because this is how we find ultimate fulfillment. So I guess if somebody asked me that question, I should tell them that I um, help guide people through the jungle. (laughs) I love that. That's a great answer, because nobody can just let that be. That's good. That is a conversation starter, not an ender, and that will lead people to engage with you, which is really what social media and life is all about. Very intriguing. Very intriguing. Well, let's let's discover a little bit about some of your knowledge here by transitioning over to Twitter. So you wrote a book a couple years back called Twitter Power 2.0, and Twitter... I'll be honest with you, has been kind of the forgotten network. Uh, For the last couple of years, Facebook and LinkedIn have been doing massive innovations. And, you know, with the exception of seeing hashtags and television shows all the time, um, I don't think a lot of people are nearly as excited about Twitter as they are, for example, with Facebook and maybe to another extent uh, with LinkedIn for the business to business folks. So why should marketers pay close attention to Twitter? What's your thoughts on this? Well, Twitter is still relevant. There are 200 million active users every day. One of the things I love about Twitter is when they release their numbers, they're not talking about how many registrations they have or how many people have tweeted in the last year. They're saying that 200 million accounts are active each and every day. That's, that's impressive. Um, the fact that they have the courage to say those numbers, especially when you're up against Facebook's one billion plus accounts. Uh, that's a lot of activity. And, you know, the thing that made Twitter cool in the first place was its simplicity. Uh, and I think that's still the thing that makes it cool, which is why you see hashtags on all these TV shows. The hashtag has become so ubiquitous that it's impossible to ignore it. So it's relevant because this is, people are gathering there. That 200 million a day are gathering at what I call the virtual water cooler. I think I said back in 2007 when I first got on Twitter, this is the water cooler of our time. And this is where people are gathering to discuss anything and everything. And like the water cooler, you can't stay there and have extensive conversations. You've got to get back to work. The boss comes by and looks at you and says, get back to work. Well, Twitter is kind of like that. It is a place for these short conversations that depending upon on what you're discussing and who you're discussing it with can be extremely powerful and relevant even in that short period of time. Okay, so if Twitter is the water cooler, then how do you um, how do you different you know at, at a high level? What's the what's the water cooler strategy? Oh, well, the water cooler strategy is to engage, right? When you get up to, to get a drink at the cooler, there's other people there. You can either ignore the people that are there or you can engage with them. And most often, I engage on Twitter in one of two ways. I either have something to say that I think is significant and I would like to share, or I want to engage with somebody who is saying something significant to me. And significant can vary, you know, based on time of day and what I'm thinking of feeling. Significant could be an article that somebody shares that is interesting to me. Significant could be a question that's asked that I feel I have the answer to. Or it could be that I have a question that needs answering. It could be a current frustration. It could be an inspiring quote. It could even be significant in that moment that I just want to share a picture of my cat or my children or my car because it's important to me. I think the 
the, the most essential part is that it's authentic. It's real. It's in the moment. It's where I am right now. It's where you are right now. And here we are on this planet with 7 billion people and we're connecting at this moment for a purpose that could be greater than, than what we think it is. Ultimately, it's all about relationship. Our, our lives here are all about relationship, and, and anybody who tells you otherwise is completely missing the point. You know, you brought up uh, pictures, and I don't think a lot of people remember or think about the fact that they can, they can use Twitter for pictures because it seems like you've got Pinterest and you've got Facebook, and they seem to dominate on the photo side of things. And um, I'm just curious, do you think that the use of pictures is a smart strategy from a marketing perspective that maybe, you know, marketers can use to try to differentiate themselves when it comes to Twitter? Absolutely. I think pictures are a, an excellent use of Twitter. I still, I like to uh, to tweet from Instagram because I find that way I can, you know, tweet, uh, I can post my Instagram to Facebook and Twitter and uh, Tumblr and Foursquare all at the same time. Um, I do think that there's not enough people that are using photos and it's amazing how a picture really can say a thousand words. And when you only have 140 characters to begin with, that's a lot of bonus words. And it's even the these mundane type everyday pictures and tweets, it's amazing how much interaction they can get. You know, I had written the first edition of Twitter Power in 2008. And at that time, I had, I think, 5,000 followers. <laughs> and everybody thought, wow, how do you get 5,000 followers? That's tremendous. <laughs> and it was after I wrote that first edition that I discovered something new. And of course, I'm, I'm learning all the time. And here's what I discovered. One day, I took a picture of a couple donuts. I'm, I've got a sweet tooth that's as big as Rhode Island. And, and even though I lost a bunch of weight these past couple of years, I still like a good chocolate donut. So I took this picture and I posted it on Twitter and I said, what's your favorite donut? Make mine chocolate. And, you know, people are always saying, who cares what somebody's eating, you know, or whether or not they're going to the bathroom? Why would you tweet this stuff? Well, Michael, the response that I got to that silly mundane tweet about donuts got more engagement and responses than anything I had posted for months, literally. And it made me realize that there is a lot of power in these mundane tweets, in the simplicity of being authentic in the moment because it creates points of connection for people, identification, where they can say, hey, this guy is the author of this book on Twitter and he's posting about donuts. I can totally relate to him. I can totally understand. There's a picture of him with his, his Mustang. I love Mustangs. The guy drives a Ford. I thought he'd be driving you know, a Mercedes or something. People like to identify with other people. And when we post pictures, and especially if they're about regular, everyday stuff, we, we engage people on a deeper level. They feel closer to us. You know, um, it's intriguing because um, for everyone who's listening right now, if you go back into the archives and listen to the uh, interview I did with Rick Dragon, where we talked about some of the social science behind some of these things, um, a lot of great human interaction happens over breaking bread. It happens over eating a meal together or doing food together. And you did more than just um, post a picture of a donut. You actually elicited kind of something that brings people together. And the idea, you see people sometimes saying, hey, I'm drinking this 
flavor of tea? What are you drinking? These kinds of things actually are really, really powerful psychological principles, which are really intriguing. And you may not have even realized what's going on there. Um, Joe, let me ask you this question. Um, Talk about what you're doing with Twitter today. How are you, how is Joelcom using Twitter to try to grow Joelcom's platform? You know, Twitter's interesting in that more and more I find myself uh, checking out what people on my stream are saying and sharing, resharing their content. Uh, I probably do that more than tweeting my original content. I do, there's so much cool stuff out there. So many people are, are saying some really wonderful things. And when I think, you know, what they're saying is actually more interesting than what I want to say right now, I will tend to retweet what they're saying and share that with my followers. Uh, it's kind of that, that giver mentality. And I think one of the strengths on Twitter is because of the retweet, because of the favorite, there's an opportunity to really focus on the value that others bring. And when I've got something to say, then, then I'll say it. But uh, there's some days I don't tweet at all. And other days I might get, you know, five, six or seven tweets in there. It really just depends on what's happening that day. And, and I don't like to tweet just for the sake of tweeting. You know, we're, I'm asked all the time, how many times a day should you tweet? What time of day should you tweet? Uh, what kinds of tweets should you do when you do that? And those questions kind of make me nuts because there's an inauthenticity to it. There's not, it's not organic in nature, it's planned, it's schemed. And, and while there's no problem with having a strategy <clears throat> for approaching Twitter and social media, you got to be true to yourself and where you are. And either you go through phases, and I think everybody does. We go through a Facebook phase where we spend more time there and we go through this Twitter phase. Um, now, I think for brands in particular, it's more important to have some sort of structure for a strategy. But for most of us that are you know, home-based entrepreneurs, small business people. There's really a lot of flexibility in how we choose to use Twitter. I like that you are essentially curating other people's content and serving their great content up to your followers um, as part of your strategy. I mean, obviously, you're giving some love to, to, to certain individuals and they may notice that. But more importantly, you're also giving your followers something that you find of value. One of the questions I've got for you is, do you use the Twitter standard retweet or do you tend to customize your retweets? What, what are your thoughts on that? I'll usually just use the standard one. It's, you know, it's, it's easy, it's convenient, it's built in for a reason. And, you know, with under, uh, only 140 characters, it's often hard to create commentary on something that somebody has already written. You start running out of space and then you're having to take time to edit. You got to ditch this hashtag. If it's good enough for me to retweet, then it's good enough to stand on its own. If I've got something to say about it, then I'll hit a reply and, and tweet that person directly. For those listening that haven't been on Twitter since like, let's say 2008, like you and me, um, and don't have bazillions of followers, for example, we have a Twitter hashtag, I mean, a Twitter ID for my kids adventures, kids underscore adventures, and it only has like 700 followers. So, you know, a lot of people that don't have a big following yet are looking for some sort of strategy to to figure out a way to grow a quality following. And I want to stress quality. What do you recommend um, the strategy should be in order to try to um, grow or nurture a, a quality following on Twitter? Well, let's say you're starting with absolutely nothing, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, you're new, you're new on Twitter and you're like, where do I begin? Uh, I, I recommend starting with a hashtag that is in an area of interest. 
discover people who are talking about what interests you and what interests you could be personally in terms of you know a hobby or a pastime or it could be in terms of uh, what you do for your business and as entrepreneurs <clears throat> there's typically a, an overlap there so begin following people who are saying things that are interesting to you when you think you have value to bring to the conversation bring that value either through a retweet or a reply. Engage with people that are discussing what what you want to talk about. And then ask questions of people. Now they see that you're engaged. Wait for answers. Engage with the answers. When somebody posts a question that you think you can answer, answer that question. Years ago, I, I talked about, I, I broke it down to 14 types of tweets. I think it's on my blog from probably, oh, 2009 or so. And there's so many different ways to engage with people that we usually don't stop and think about how we're engaging. But it's all if it's all about relationship, then relating to people, following those that you want to engage with and bringing value back to them is organically going to increase your, your follower base. Okay, you, you mentioned hashtags. And I'll be the first to admit that I am not an avid, me personally, I'm not an avid user of hashtags. I never really have been. So um, I'm asking this question as much for myself as for the listeners. Um, give a little background on you know how people are using hashtags and how hashtags could be used to find people. Well, the hashtag is the thing that drives search on, on Twitter. By putting that pound sign before whatever our word or phrase is, it, it gives us a, a common uh, base for which to look for content. So let's say you're looking for inspirational quotes. If you just type hashtag inspiration or hashtag quote, you're more likely to find that content in the never-ending stream of tweets. And when I mean never-ending, it's like CNN, right? It's a 24-hour news cycle that never stops, and there's no catching up with it. So the hashtag gives you the benefit of being able to find that content. If you're a, a photography buff, you could just search for photography, right? If, if you have a Canon camera and you want to find uh, people who are taking pictures with a Canon, hashtag Canon is going to get you there. And of course, as you mentioned earlier, we're seeing more and more TV shows put hashtags in the show for instant interaction with the people who are watching it. Now you can instantly connect with other people who are watching American Idol or Survivor, whatever program is using that hashtag in real time. It, it invites you into the dialogue and that discussion as it is happening. And that's where you want to be. It's like going into this massive party, the biggest party you've ever been to with all these groups and you walk through the room and, and you listen in to little pieces of conversation and what each circle is discussing until you come upon somebody that catches your ear. There's a discussion happening right here on this side of the room that I want to be a part of and you choose to engage with it. Uh, that, I, I look at Twitter as the biggest on never nonstop party that's ever been. And it's, it's always going on. You know, now that you put it that way, I, I mean, I've definitely used hashtags. This, you know, I think the probably the example that most of us have experienced is when we go to a physical conference or an event. And, you know, everybody that's there is using that hashtag to kind of, you know, take the discussion down a notch. And maybe they're using some tool like uh, tweet chat, you know, to kind of just see all the chatter around that particular hashtag. But what I'm not doing and maybe what I should be doing is on my regular updates that I stick on Twitter, for example, maybe in the title of a post 
that's linking back to Social Media Examiner. I'm not using hashtag in those types of posts. And I'm wondering, should I be? Is there a use for that kind of thing? Or is really the hashtag meant to be mostly for inspirational quotes or TV shows or events? I think just like Twitter is the place for discussing anything and everything, the hashtag can be used for those same purposes, uh, period. It's no reason to elaborate on that. Okay, cool. All right, now let's talk about following others. Um, okay. Social Media Examiner, SM Examiner, we only follow seven people, which is the original seven contributors to Social Media Examiner. On my, my personal account, I follow 23,000 people which is maybe just a fragment of, of, of the people that follow me and you follow about 912 people. So what's, what's the strategy about following other people? You know, where do you draw the line? I've heard lots of different takes on this. I'm curious to hear what your take is. Well, just like there's no two people alike, you know, we're all like snowflakes and varied. I don't like to prescribe a single approach to using Twitter. For me in the beginning, we had the mindset of if somebody follows you, you follow them back. It was just, it was the, the right thing and the respectful thing to do. Well, after I'd gotten up to 70,000 followers or so, and I'm following that many back, I looked at my Twitter stream and I thought, this is unusable. That there, I don't know the majority of the people who I'm following. Um, I, I, there's no way I could possibly be interested in everything they're talking about. And the people that I actually do know are getting lost in the shuffle. So I did something that was pretty controversial. Um, it was actually about four years ago. I think uh, on my blog I wrote about it called I Purged My Twitter Account. Uh, yeah, I just found it. It was November of last of 2009. And I, um, I unfollowed everybody. And I wrote about why I was unfollowing them because my stream had become unusable for me. And I wanted to enjoy Twitter. I wanted to be able to follow the people that I actually knew and engage with them. And with the number of tweets from complete strangers that were following me that were hitting my stream, it, that wasn't going to happen. So I unfollowed everybody. And then I refollowed the people that I actually knew or that I wanted to, to appear on my stream. And I think to date, that's about 900 people while I've got about 78,000 following me. That makes my Twitter stream usable. Now when I go to my stream, I see tweets from people that I actually know. One of the biggest arguments from a lot of people for following everyone back beyond the reciprocation argument has always been, well, that's the only way we can do um, private messages back and forth. And fortunately, Twitter has recently changed the rules on that. And this is particularly useful for bigger brands because they may have millions of followers and there's just no way they could follow them all. So the good news is if you do, if you want to have your followers have the ability to private message you, now Twitter allows that so that you know you can still have that private communication back and forth. It's one of those features you have to go in and manually set, but at least that has been recently changed with Twitter, which I think is exciting news. Um, what, what, what bugs you about the way people use Twitter, Joel, what just like, you know, makes you go, er. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it really makes me go, er, when people just use Twitter as a billboard, you know, or any social media. There, there's no reason that you can't market on Twitter, just like we market offline. But when your messages are continually a bombardment of this product or that product or this service or that service and you're not engaging with people on a, a human level and you're not bringing value to the conversation, that, that's the biggest Twitter fail of all. And, uh, you know, I unfollow people like that and, and 
those who don't end up tuning them out anyway because they have completely uh, leapfrogged over the like me, know me, trust me aspect of relationship and doing business and they go right to pay me. Uh, and that, that doesn't work. It doesn't work when the, the door-to-door salesman just knocks on your door without building any kind of relationship. You're not likely to buy anything from him unless it's a Girl Scout selling Girl Scout cookies. But even they have developed no like and trust over the years. So they have the authority to show up and say, how many boxes do you want? But most of us don't have that type of credibility and authority in the marketplace to just get out there and start you know, pimping our products to people. You know, uh, I recently interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk and we were talking about a little bit about Twitter and he confessed to me that 90% of his Twitter activity is just simply him replying to other people. Can you talk about why that's so important? Well, it shows that you're a real person behind your account and that you really care about what other people are saying. Uh, you know, Zig Ziglar said years ago, um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if you're all about you all the time, then people are going to see this is a selfish person that really doesn't care about what other people have to say. They just want to share what they have to share. It kind, of, kind of goes back to the, so what do you do question, where most people are just waiting for that other person to finish so they can tell you all about themselves. And we know that that is an ineffective way to build relationship because it's one-sided. Totally. Okay. Let's, let's explore a little bit about content and Twitter. Um, for those people that have, let's say a blog like you do, or a podcast like we both do, or maybe a, uh, you know, YouTube channel. Um, how can Twitter, how, what's, how can Twitter be used to somehow maybe drive traffic to these channels? Great question. And, you know, I think that all social media, not just Twitter, but all social media uh, is there for relationship building with the ultimate goal of driving people back to our primary channel, which if we're wise, that's our own website. It's our own blog. It's our own products. It's our own services. I think there's a huge mistake when we use third-party sites to build a platform because we don't own that. Um, and Facebook is a perfect example of how you can build you know, a million likes to your fan page but only be able to reach 10% of them, 20% on a good day, unless you spend money. Uh, you know, and, and I fear that Twitter's going to go the same route with as much noise as there is out there. And now with the, uh, the start of them taking advertisements and having sponsored tweets, we're going to see more and more the conversation is going to be pushed to the wayside. Now Twitter has shareholders to answer to. Right. They've got to make this, this beast profitable, which I don't know how they're going to do it, honestly. I think it's going to be a media play. I think that uh, we're going to find TV being a, a big revenue source for uh, for Twitter uh, growing and, and being able to hit their financials. Uh, but ultimately, everything that you do on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc., should be building your brand and ultimately driving people to your website, to your email list, to your products and services, to a deeper relationship with you on your own turf. Okay, so earlier we said we shouldn't do a lot of chest beating and talk about ourselves, right? But in the end, we know that we need to somehow talk about our content. Um, how do you use Twitter to drive traffic to whatever it is you, you have going on? Well, I have a number of websites, not just my blog. And, uh, for example, one of them, worldvillage.com, posts infographics. And when uh, 
my editor finds an infographic that's interesting and I like it, I'll tweet it out. So this is content that I'm sharing, but it's content that's on one of my sites. So ultimately, the traffic coming to my site. So it's not beating my own chest. It's not talking about me. It's bringing value to the conversation. And if people find it interesting, it just so happens they end up on one of my blogs. Um, you know, and it's like that for really anything. And it could even be about ourselves. Uh, but ultimately, we we want to give people content that they find interesting. If they do, you're not going to have to push hard to make a sale. Again, if we have established uh, no like and trust with people, you know, on Twitter, uh, when we want to know somebody, the corollary, corollary okay, the thing we do, <laughs> chewing on rocks here, is we follow them. Right, so we 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 know some we uh, when we like somebody we follow them as we get to know them through their tweets and the value that they bring uh, we can determine is this person you know are they bringing the the goods here are they delivering this do I enjoy interacting with them and as I get to know them and if I if the answer to those questions is yes now I can trust them. And when you've got no like and trust with people, when it comes time for the actual sale to be made, it doesn't have to be a hard pitch because people buy from those they know, like, and trust. And so if we've built a relationship and you hear that I've got a new book out, I don't have to sit there and pitch you and tell you why you need to go buy this book. You're automatically more inclined to just go check it out and purchase it because we've already established a healthy foundation. My next question has to do with uh, the mobile side of things, given the fact that um, a lot of people are using, well, not just mobile, third-party apps to run Twitter. Um, like, I can't even remember all the, all the, all the apps are out there and, and mobile apps. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts about optimizing the Twitter profile that lives on Twitter.com proper? Is it, you know, or said another way, how should someone optimize their profile so that it's consistently displayed across all these different apps? Because we know not everything that shows up on twitter.com is going to show up on all these apps. So what are your thoughts about making your profile in such a way that it's going to look consistent and good across all these different ways that Twitter can be used? Well, let, let me start out with the macro. I'm a big believer in branding across all your platforms. If you look at my blog at joelcom.com and go to my Twitter, my YouTube channel, my LinkedIn, my Facebook fan page, you will see a consistency of branding across all of those. Now, Twitter is, is unique in that they give you more real estate to play with than any of the other sites. You know, on Facebook, you get your, your cover, um, and on YouTube, you get a cover as well. But on Twitter, you've got your profile picture in the center and the back there, and then you've got the background along the left and right side, which lets you do some really clever things. And you know, I'm, I'm sure you've got on your Twitter profile, as I do of mine, I make use of that. That branding is very clear. Now, how do you get that to work across all the mobile apps? It's impossible. I think as long as it works on the main Twitter app, and uh, and mine does, because Twitter automatically will um, resize smartly to make things fit, then you're doing well. But with all the apps that are coming out, trying to keep up with uh, ch those changes, unless you've got an app that has a real significant number of users and there's a way, then, you, then you're dealing with WordPress themes that are, you know, um, going to automatically customize for those apps as well. Uh, otherwise, you're, you'll spend your whole day designing. <laughs> so, I mean, in the end, it really, it really comes down to having a good photograph of yourself and a good 
description of whatever you know um, you want your bio to to say, and it's pretty certain that you're going to see that image and that description populated across just about every different Twitter client. And you know, obviously, the branding thing I agree with completely. Let, let's let's shift a little bit here. Um, talk to me about clout. Um, first of all, for those that aren't familiar with clout, explain what it is, and then tell me your thoughts as to whether marketers should or should not pay attention to clout. Sure. Uh, Clout, with a K, uh, started a number of years ago, and they came on the scene and said, uh, connect your Twitter account with us, and we will be the arbiters of how much social influence you have. We've got an algorithm that we've put together that will assign a number between 0 and 100, with 100 being the highest cloud that you could have, and and this is going to tell us how much influence you have, especially in in certain uh, keywords, uh, niches, markets. Well, when they started doing that a number of us were paying attention but most people were saying well this is silly this doesn't mean anything this is arbitrary and what they say doesn't really matter they can't tell me how influential I am well through uh, millions of pieces of data uh, through a, a fantastic viral campaign that allows people to get clout by bringing others into the clout system and by having the ability to connect all of your major social media accounts to clout so we've talked Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, YouTube, Tumblr, Foursquare, Facebook, and several others, Clout actually has gone from saying we are important to actually being important. Uh, We are now living in the age of influence marketing where big brands especially are not wanting to scattershot across markets to find to be influential. They're wanting to find people, individuals who are influential that can then share their message. And we're, we're seeing this happen more and more. Uh, clout has this thing called perks that if you have a clout number of maybe 50 or above, you can get free uh, movie passes to a, a showing of an upcoming theater, from an uh, upcoming movie from a major studio. Uh, I don't know which studio did it, but they just did this with Gravity. Well, why would they offer free preview passes to influential people? Well, do the math. These people, of course, are going to blog and talk about the film they've just seen. American Airlines did a perk this summer to anybody with clout over 50, which, by the way, 50 is the average clout. Uh, And they said, uh, if you have clout of over 50, connect this account. And once we determine that this is your clout, we will give you a free one-day pass to our Admirals Club in any airport lounge. In the airport, um, this is a freebie that would normally cost you 50 or $60 for a day, and you wouldn't even have to be flying an American airline. More and more, we're seeing brands do this. Cloud is important. And once you've connected your accounts to it, you don't actually have to do anything. It takes care of itself. It just measures your regular activity in the social space. It'll, it'll watch your likes, comments shares, retweets, tweets, videos posted, etc. They'll process the data and they will give you back uh, this clout number. Awesome. Well, Joel, we've covered a lot of ground today with Twitter. Um, You know, everything from, you know, uh, whether or not we should be using hashtags to whether we should follow people to the content marketing angle to, you know, just all sorts of things. And I just want to say thank you so much, first of all, for sharing your thoughts and insight on Twitter. Where can folks, if they want to pick up a copy of Twitter Power 2.0, where can they find that and where can they learn more about you, Joel? 
Well, if they want to get some bonuses, go to twitterpower.com, and there's links there to get the book and, and several bonuses they can get as well. My blog is joelcom.com. Uh, my show is The Joel Com Show on iTunes, and basically I'm the only Joel Com in the world. So I have the distinct advantage and privilege of being the only guy that comes up when you search for my name. So immediately you'll find my LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook profiles, and uh, I invite anybody to uh, connect with me there. I'd love to hear from you. And for those that um, don't know, it's C-O-M-M. That's double M. Joel, thank you so much for joining me today on today's show. Uh, It's been my privilege. Thanks, Mike. Well, I hope you got some value out of that interview with Joel Com. A couple quick things I want to mention. Uh, First of all, the show notes can be found at socialmediaexaminer.com slash seven zero. Man, that means we've done 70 episodes. That is crazy. Uh, show notes include everything from all the resources that we mentioned, including you know the opportunity for you to leave some comments. Also want to remind you about Social Media Marketing World 2014. We are looking for corporate sponsors. We still have some opportunities available there. So if your company wants to uh, be in front of this audience and you think it would be useful, uh, email Emily, E-M-I-L-Y, at Social Media Examiner. And if you haven't already grabbed your ticket, visit socialmediaworld14.com. Also, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you enjoy it, would you do me a favor and visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash love? What this will do is pre-populate a tweet into your Twitter stream, letting your friends know that you enjoy the podcast. Well, this does bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back again in the driver's seat with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.